It's worth knowing what's really going on. This is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, the Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. This, my friends, is Access Atlanta. It's a new podcast that shares the best things to do, see, eat, and experience. Welcome to Access Atlanta. I'm your host, Shane Harrison, and this week I'm here with one of our staff writers, Rosalind Bentley. Welcome. Thank you, Shane. Happy to be back. And we are here to talk about uh, a little bit about Martin Luther King Day, which is, of course, coming up uh, very soon, and about some things that you can do um, to remember the great civil rights leader and, um, you know, have some experiences that maybe you hadn't thought about. Everyone knows about, you know, the King Center and Ebenezer Baptist Church and, you know, where he was born and all of those things. But um, we thought we would look at some other ways that you might um, memorialize the day. So that's what you're here to talk about, right? Absolutely. And you're right, Shane. It's not some of the things that you might do year after year after year after year, we have a few things, and a lot of them are actually arts-focused. And they span the entire weekend, really, from, say, this coming Friday all the way through the day of MLK. So if you want to maybe do a run on Monday, but you want to experience the weekend and memorialize them in some other way, we've got some pretty good choices for you. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and, and you know, keep in mind that also, even if you don't do these things, then there are some other things that you can do coming up. Of course, Black History Month is in, in February, so... Um, there are many ways, so you can take some ideas from here for that as well. So um, what's up first? All right. Well, first up, let's talk about what's going on at the Atlanta History Center. Right. So they always have something. You can always go there and listen to and watch a film of Dr. King giving his I Have a Dream speech. Mm -hmm. But this year they have a play. And it is called Walking Through the Valley. And the focus isn't necessarily on Dr. King, but it is on one of his, we hate to call him this, lieutenants. Right. Who would be John Lewis, who is now our representative. Mm -hmm. So this play looks at the eve of the March on Washington. Mm -hmm. And 
a lot of people might not know this, but because John Lewis, I mean, you listen to him now, right? And he's very measured and he wants younger people to think ahead and, you know, contemplate what they're doing before they get into good trouble. Well, John Lewis was very much a firebrand when he was younger, and he really wanted to mix it up. So he was to give a speech at the March on Washington, but his speech was so in your face, was so calling people right out that Dr. King and a Philip Randolph, another civil rights leader who helped lead the march, they asked him, you know, we'd like for you to speak, but you really need to tone this down. (laughs) So the play which is written by Adaya Moon, who is the theatrical director there at the History Center. Um, He took this, as he explained to me, he took this concept and imagined what that night must have been like for John Lewis. And as Adaya likes to say, um, in some ways it's almost kind of a Christmas carol-y thing. (laughs) He is visited by three, if not ghosts or spirits, he's visited by three civil rights leaders and abolitionists of the past. Ida B. Wells, the great journalist and anti-lynching proponent, Sarah Grimke, abolitionist, and John Brown, who tried to lead, obviously, you know, the great insurrection. Yes. So, um... I think we might actually have a little sound. Awesome. Do we? That's I believe great. we do. Yes. Uh, from the play. These are going to be two actors that you will hear, one portraying John Lewis and the other portraying A. Philip Randolph. Have you heard back from Bayard Rustin and the other March organizers? What did they say about the changes I sent over? That's the other reason I'm calling. The changes were good, but, uh, well, they still feel the speech sounds too... Angry. That's because we are angry. Don't we have a right to be angry? Of course we do. First, President Kennedy tries to convince us to stop the march from happening. But we stood firm. We did, sir, but now he wants our support on his new civil rights bill. Yet that bill still requires literacy and civics tests for Negro voters, while the government refuses to offer us any support at our attempts to bring equality to the South. You're right. How does he even expect us to get people registered if he won't protect the people from the racist mobs? That's all I'm trying to say in the speech. And I agree with you. I just need you to see the bigger picture. Bayard Rustin and I have been waiting for this march to happen for nearly 20 years, Brother Lewis. I know that, sir. I would not be in the position that I'm in now if it wasn't for the hard work and commitment of you and Mr. Rustin. Then you also know that this is our country's first time publicly acknowledging to the entire world that we have a serious problem with poverty and race. This march is bigger than all of us and our individual frustrations. This is for the freedom fighters that are no longer alive and for those yet to come. This speech needs to bring us together, not tear us further apart. I'll stop by later to check on you. Think about your role in this ongoing struggle, Brother Lewis. History will judge you. Yes, sir. So you'll be able to go and and see a performance of uh, this play at the History Center, right? Exactly. You certainly will. And one thing to keep in mind when you are watching this play is what um, playwright Adaya Moon um, said that 
it may challenge some of your misconceptions about the civil rights movement. Well, I think when people tend to think of the civil rights movement, they usually think of uh, the more mainstream aspects of civil rights. Uh, and they forget that there are a lot of different organizations that fall under that umbrella of civil rights. Uh, for example, at the time that the play is set, um, John Lewis is a member of SNCC, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. And they were very much a, a radical grassroots organization who was really, and they were really in the trenches and in some very dangerous situations, uh, still using nonviolent approaches. But uh, they were definitely different than the SCLC or some of the other organizations that are known um, in relation to the civil rights movement. So one of the things we wanted to do in the play was to explore how, if you look at the span of civil rights and social justice issues throughout history in America, what are the different approaches and different ideologies associated with liberation struggle? Um, as opposed to just the simple kind of mainstream idea that we have about nonviolent uh, disobedience. So that's that's all part of a, a, a day of celebrations there at the History Center, right? And that's happening on January 20th. On January 20th, actual King Day, you'll be able to, it's really for all ages. If you want to take your kid there and they want to know what it's like to enlist as a Union soldier in the Civil War, you can do that if you want to experience what it must have been like to have been a freedom writer during um, the civil rights movement. You can do that as well. Now, parental discretion is kind of advised there right. because that was a very intense experience. Yeah. And again, you can always go there and listen to the I Have a Dream speech, mm -hmm. which is going to be played several times during the day. Right. And and like we said, you can also experience some of this stuff before the actual day of. The History Center always has uh, a lot of great things uh, related to this. So if you need to go earlier in the weekend, you can do that. Uh, you'll miss the play, but but there are lots of other things to do. Um, so what else can you do to, uh, to commemorate uh, Martin Luther King Day? You can eat. Ah, well, everybody <laughs> likes to do that. Everybody likes to do this. I mean, I think one thing that people don't realize or think a lot about is the role that food played within the civil rights movement, particularly those who served um, either civil rights workers, civil rights leaders mm -hmm. like Dr. King and Reverend Abernathy and John Lewis and Andrew Young. Um, people don't think about, hey, when you're going out there and you're fighting, you need sustenance. Right. You know, right. you need not only to not be on an empty stomach, you also need to find a place where you can go, where you can strategize, mm -hmm. where you can be in private. And for a lot of African-Americans at that time, segregation was such that you couldn't just walk into any restaurant right. in town. There were specific places that you could go. And so there are two places in Atlanta that still survive yeah. um, that you can go and experience that. And those two places are also places where Dr. King ate and other civil rights leaders. And that is one is the Busy Bee Cafe mm -hmm. on now Martin Luther King. Right. <laughs> Drive, and then Pascal's Restaurant. Um, both 
serve and Pascal's now used to be on West Hunter Street. Now it's in the Castleberry Hill ne- neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Right. But um, they both celebrate that history. Mm-hmm. And you're going to go and you're going to get the kind of southern, the kind of soul food that you would imagine. Yeah. You can get the mac and cheese. You know, you can get greens. You can get pork chops. You can get fried chicken. You can get all of those things. But that history is celebrated within those restaurants. And I don't know. Maybe you can even ask them for, you know, what might have been Dr. King's favorite right. dish. Right, right. <laughs> well, that, that sounds like a great way to uh, to spend the day, or at least part of the day. Maybe not the whole day. Shane. Not the whole day. No, no. But yeah, we also have to remember that you know a lot of a lot of um, you know forward momentum in the civil rights movement came because of sit-ins at restaurants as well. So, so there's you know that to think about as well. That is exactly right. That is exactly right. That's a good point, Shane. And I don't think people really remember that. Right. So yeah. Uh, yeah, another great place here in town that uh, is always a great place to visit because there's so much history there um, of all kinds, but there is definitely uh, civil rights history there, and that's Oakland Cemetery. You're right, Shane. You can go there rain or shine, experience the lives of people who built the city. One thing that is special about King Day, though, is they have a King Day tour. And if you go on that tour, what you're going to find, obviously, Dr. King and his wife, Coretta Scott King, are not buried there. But you are going to be able to see the headstones, the tombs of people who built this city and were fighters for civil rights. You're going to get everyone from uh, Bishop Wesley John Gaines and his wife Julia Gaines. Those are that was the pastor and first lady of Big Bethel AME Church. Mm-hmm. And if you say I don't know where that is, I would argue yes you do. <laughs> if you have ever driven on seventy five eighty five, if you are going south, you're gonna look to the right. If yeah. you are going north, you're gonna look to the left, and you're gonna see this big blue sign that says Jesus saves. That's Big Bethel. Yeah. But what Big Bethel is known for, particularly in the African-American community, is that that was the place that was spun off because, again, through segregation, quite often African-Americans and whites could not uh, worship together mm-hmm. on the same pews. Um, this church also was where Morris Brown College was founded. Now, Morris Brown... Um, it's having a hard time. Yeah. Let's let's be honest. But it really turned out a lot of stellar graduates over um, its history. And so you'll see his grave there. You will also see um, the grave of uh, Maynard Jackson. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I don't need to tell you, Shane, yeah. you know, about the importance of Maynard Jackson. Oh, yes. Yeah. Maynard Jackson, he was the first African-American mayor of Atlanta. Um, I, I'm trying to remember when that was. It was oh. the early 70s. Um, <laughs> I can't remember the exact year. Uh, but, yeah, he he was uh, in charge of the city for quite a while. And, uh, yeah, it was a big deal at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, uh, we 
you know, always remember him. And of course, his name is on our airport. Exactly right. Artsfield Jackson Airport. And he really, during his administration, this whole idea of Atlanta being the black Mecca. Right. That became quite, quite popular. Mm -hmm. Now, let me give um, our listeners a bit of pause. We've told you all about this tour. The tour itself is sold out with guided tours with actual docents. However, if you want to take this tour, you can still do it. All you need to do is go to the visitor center Mm -hmm. at the cemetery. They will give you a map. It is a guided map, and they will show you uh, the African-American Heritage Tour. You can do that as a self-guided tour, not only that, but you can call in on your cell phone, and you are going to hear exactly pretty much what a docent would tell you if you were with them. You can just go from spot to spot to spot to spot, and you don't have to wait until Monday to do it. Yeah. So... (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. That's uh, you know you can you can go and do this anytime. And and I might also add um, that another local cemetery, Decatur Cemetery, um, has some of this sort of thing as well. There is there is uh, an African American section of the cemetery there. I believe it's section six, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and there's work being done now to um, to help preserve it and to bring it back up to you know its former glory. Uh, but it's fascinating to go there. I, I walk there often, so very familiar with it, and it's a beautiful cemetery. Um, and, of course, you can check in there at uh, their office as well, and they have um, things where, you know, you can do your own tour. Um, but go and check that out as well. All right. And then a couple of things that if you want to experience either the visual arts Mm -hmm. or literature, one is Hammond's House Museum. Now, Hammond's House is in historic southwest Atlanta. We know Dr. King lived, um, I think it was at Sunset street Mm -hmm. i believe it was but not exactly um in southwest proper but over on that west side and hammond's house is really an institution within this city of african-american artists and right now just opened the end of last week they have the new show of masood olafani and it is called translocation transfiguration and that show explores in many ways what it means to be African-American today. But what it does is it uses um, ideas of resilience, ideas of struggle, ideas of resistance, and he interprets this into beautiful sculpture, uh, multimedia um, photography. So the spirit of Dr. King, I would say, was creative because you had to do what? Be really creative to think, how am I going to outsmart this right. person? Right. You know what I mean? You have to be open to things. And yeah. so I think that if you experience that, go to Hammond's house and think about that. The amount of creativity it takes to mount a freedom struggle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, art has always been, you know, a, a big part of of the Ford momentum of, of rights for everyone because, you know, it, it helps spur people on. It's like music was played a big part. Art played a big part. Literature played a big part. So, you know, it's great to celebrate those arts in there. And Hammond's House, um, you know, anytime you can go to Hammond's House and they always have uh, all these great exhibits. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 
yeah, it's it's always a good time to celebrate that. Yes, it is. And then if you really um, just want to keep it um, low profile, let's say read a book. Right. But you might want to stop by Four Keeps Bookstore. Now, Four Keeps is probably one of the few, I think it might be the only independently owned bookstore on historic Auburn Avenue. Right. So a reader could, or a listener could walk from the King Center down to Four Keeps, mm-hmm. right? And what you're going to find there, though, are not necessarily popular volumes that you would see now. I'm not so sure you're going to go there and get Michelle Obama's Becoming right. book, you know what I mean, yeah. or necessarily an autobiography of Frederick Douglass. But what you might find there are rare books, books by, let's say, landmark poet Gwendolyn Brooks. She was the first African-American to win a Pulitzer Prize. Um, You might even get the science fiction poetry of Sun Ra. He was avant-garde musician, forerunner of Afrofuturism or Afropunk, which for our listeners, if you love Janelle Monae, you know that Janelle Monae came out of that tradition and Sun Ra was an influence. Sun Ra was also even an influence for Sonic Youth. So you've got that. And then you might even find, um, what is it? I think it's The Seventh Octave, which is the early poetry of Saul Williams. Saul Williams, if you ever watched the TV show Girlfriends, he played um, one of the boyfriends of one of the girlfriends. I can't remember which one, Uh but it wasn't Tracy Ellis Ross. Right. I will tell you that. But he is um, really a standout, um, a mainstay within the Afropunk movement, within uh, the Afrofuturism movement, spoken word artist, but like Dr. King, Saul got his start where? At Morehouse College. Right. That is where he blossomed. Mm-hmm. So those are the sorts of books that you are going to find at For Keeps, things that you probably aren't going to find at maybe what remains of your chain bookstores. Right, right. <laughs> but again, though, like with Hammond's House, For Keeps isn't necessarily open on a Monday. I don't think they're going to be open for King Day itself. But you've got the entire weekend leading up to that. But if you really want something to do this coming Monday, I think Shane and I will both suggest that you look at AJC.com, Access Atlanta, because our colleague, Naja Parker, has an extensive list of things that you can do. Right. Yeah. There's there's always um, plenty to do on AJC.com. We, we have our things to do every week. Um, then we have special um, stories like the one that uh, Roz mentions that Naja has done that will, you know, give you all of the usual things and probably some unusual ones as well like we have. But, uh, you know, if you need to know what's going on at, you know, the King Center, Ebenezer Baptist Church, um, the Martin Luther King's um, birth home, all of these, the usual spots that, that everyone thinks about for MLK Day. And also you can use that as a guide for Black History Month because it's right around the corner um, beginning February 1st and all through February. Um, and we get an extra day this year because right. it's a leap year. <laughs> yeah, don't forget. Yeah, it's an extra day. So there are 29 days in February. So uh, there's plenty of time to uh, celebrate Black History Month. And you can use some of these ideas and some of the ideas you'll find on AJC.com. 
So thanks so much, Roz. Oh, thank you for having me again. I love being here. It's great to have you. And uh, again, check out AJC.com for all of the great things to do for MLK Day and for Black History Month. Let's see what's happening in and around Atlanta over the next 10 days. The Emory Chamber Music Society of Atlanta will spend the year paying tribute to one of classical music's greatest composers with Beethoven 2020. It marks the occasion of the 250th anniversary of the German master's birth. The series kicks off with the Vega Quartet performing Beethoven's Opus 59, number one, one of the Razumovsky quartets, the Opus 135 quartet, and Opus 18, number one, all three in F major. The quartet will play all of Beethoven's string quartets in six concerts throughout 2020. The Beethoven 2020 series will also include concerts featuring the composer's piano and piano and violin sonatas. The Beethoven 2020 celebration gets underway at 8 p.m. January 18th. Admission is free and the concert takes place in the Emerson Concert Hall at Emory University's Schwartz Center for the Performing Arts. Get more info at arts.emory.edu. It's time for a little off-season celebration of the Atlanta Braves. The yearly Chop Fest features player autographs, player photos, interactive experiences, shopping, dining, and much more. Players and coaches will be appearing throughout the event. It's a two-day affair that begins with the Chop Fest Gala on Friday, January 24th at 7 p.m. at the Coca-Cola Roxy at the Battery. Tickets for this fundraising event are $200 and include an open bar, food, DJs, and the opportunity to bid on some special experiences and interact with players. The main event takes place from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Saturday, January 25th for a day of Braves-related fun. Tickets are not required for Saturday's activities and entry is free except for the autograph sessions. Check the website for prices and tickets for those autograph sessions. The Atlanta Braves Chop Fest takes place January 24th and 25th at SunTrust Park. For all the details, head to braves.com slash chopfest. Even if the name Jimmy Webb is unfamiliar to you, the songs certainly aren't. Galveston, Up, Up and Away, Wichita Lineman, By the Time I Get to Phoenix, The Worst That Could Happen, and MacArthur Park. You know, the one where someone left a metaphorical cake out in the rain? The 73-year-old Webb is still bringing those timeless tunes to audiences and live performances, and he'll be at Eddie's Attic on January 26th. Webb was inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame in 1986 and the Nashville Songwriters Hall of Fame in 1990, in addition to a further laundry list of songwriting honors. He also has a trio of Grammy Awards on his shelf, including one for Song of the Year for Up, Up and Away back in 1967. Catch Jimmy Webb at Eddie's Attic in downtown Decatur at 6 p.m. on January 26th. Tickets are $40 in advance and $46 at the door. You can find those at eddiesattic.com. The Creative Minds at Atlanta's Center for Puppetry Arts will present the world premiere of Stella Luna beginning January 21st and continuing through March 8th. The center's artistic director, John Ludwig, has adapted author and illustrator Janelle Cannon's story of a lost baby fruit bat and her efforts to fit in. This tale explores themes of diversity and inclusion delivered by a cast of bird and bat rod puppets that will be manipulated using overt puppetry, a puppetry style in which the puppeteers are fully visible. The show will be performed on a set that is larger than any production ever seen before at the center. 
Be among the first to experience Stella Luna from January 21st through March 8th at the Center for Puppetry Arts at 1404 Spring Street in Atlanta. Tickets are $21.50 and are available at puppet.org. For more things to do in and around Atlanta, go to AJC.com. Our senior editor is Nicole Smith. Podcast edited by Bria Felicien. Music by Bo Emerson and Billy Guen. And I'm your host, Shane Harrison. Join us next week for more Access Atlanta.